the foundation. The Christian Jew Hour is a worldwide ministry presenting Christ as the only Savior for the Jew and the only Savior for the Gentile. And now here is the founder and director of the Christian Jew Hour, Dr. Charles House. We welcome you to another broadcast of the Christian Jew Hour. Today we're going to have our monthly question and answer broadcast. About once a month, we try to take one program to answer some of the many questions that are sent in by our friends and radio listeners. Well, today is another question and answer broadcast, and now I'm going to try to answer just as many of your questions as time permits. Our first question comes from a listener in Morning View, Kentucky, and the question is, what is the dispensation of the fullness of times referred to in Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 10? What is the dispensation of the fullness of times? Well, let's look at this scripture together. In Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 10, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he, God, might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. Well, this is going to be the seventh or the last of all the dispensations, and it's called the dispensation of the fullness of times because heaven and earth are going to be united together under the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to be the millennium. This is going to be the thousand-year reign of Christ when the curse is lifted from the earth. We're living in a sin-cursed world today. We're living in a world that's been cursed by Adam's sin. When man sinned in the Garden of Eden, God cursed the earth because of sin. That's why we have to work so hard today. That's why we have storms and earthquakes and thorns and thistles and germs and all kinds of putrefactive bacteria. It's because we're living in a world that's under the curse of Adam's sin. But here's something that many people do not realize. When the Lord Jesus Christ went to Calvary, he purchased redemption not only for our souls, but he purchased redemption for the earth as well. And when Christ comes again, he's going to lift the curse that is upon this earth. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah the 55th chapter, instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. That's why this is called the dispensation of the fullness of times. Now, during this time, Christ will sit on his throne in Jerusalem and reign over the earth. Let me give you the scripture on that. It's found in Jeremiah, the third chapter, verse 17. It says, At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it, neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. This is just going to be a beautiful pastime with everybody loving everybody else. And the Bible says that at that time, the earth is going to be filled with the grace and the righteousness and the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Our next question today comes from a listener in Seattle, Washington, and the question is, 
Is it wrong for a Christian to go to court and sue for damages? Well, let me say that it all depends upon the nature of the lawsuit. The Bible tells us in Romans, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 4, and I don't have time to read the scripture because we have so many more questions today that we want to try to answer, but the Bible tells us that the powers that be are ordained of God. In other words, God has ordained the laws and the courts for evildoers. Now, it's definitely wrong for two born-again Christians to go to court before an unsaved judge because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse 1, uh, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. However, there is nothing wrong if a believer has to go to court over a contract or, or an inheritance or taxes or an accident because these are all matters pertaining to everyday social life, and we need to remember that God made the courts, or God gave us the courts, to take care of these kind of matters. And so let me say again, in regard to a Christian going to court and suing for damages, it all depends upon the nature of the lawsuit. Our next question today comes from one of our listeners in Bellflower, California. And the question is, if works do not have anything to do with salvation, why does James say in James the second chapter that Abraham was justified by works? Well, I'm happy to answer this question because this is a question that we receive quite frequently here at the Christian Jew Hour. Let me say that James is speaking about justification before men. There's two kinds of justification referred to in the Bible justification before men and justification before God. All that men can see are our works. That's why the Bible says in 1 Samuel the 16th chapter verse 7 that man looks on the outward appearance but God looks upon the heart. Now we're justified by works before men but Paul tells us in Romans the 4th chapter verses 2 through 5 that we're justified by faith before God. In Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 5, it says, To him that worketh not, to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, Abraham's salvation was all of grace through faith. We're told in Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 3, that Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, Abraham was saved when God preached the gospel to Abraham through the stars. And we're told in Genesis, the 15th chapter, verses 5 and 6, if you want to see where, where Abraham was saved, you'll find it in Genesis, the 15th chapter, verses 5 and 6. And it was at the time that God miraculously preached the gospel to Abraham through the stars, and Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, about 20 years later, Abraham was willing to offer up his son Isaac on the altar of sacrifice as the evidence of his faith. And in that way he was justified by works before men. But he had already been justified by faith before God. And so let's remember that we're justified by faith when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified by works before men when we demonstrate to the world that we're children of the living God. 
Our next question comes from one of our listeners in Maysville, Pennsylvania, and the question is, does the Bible teach reincarnation? No, it does not. Reincarnation is a terrible heathen doctrine. Most of the false religions of the East teach reincarnation, but it is absolutely unscriptural. The Bible says in Isaiah, the 38th chapter, verse 18, they that go down into the pit or into the grave cannot hope for thy truth. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, verse 27, we're told, it is appointed unto men once to die, only once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, God's word makes it plain that when a man dies, his destiny is settled forever. There's no second chance after death, neither does the spirit come back in some other form. Let me give you one more scripture. It's in Revelation, the 22nd chapter, verse 11. It says, Let him that is filthy be filthy still. Let him that is righteous be righteous still. Let him that is holy be holy still. And so the word of God makes it plain that when a man dies, his destiny is sealed forever. The next question that we have, and we're only going to have time for one more question. This is from a listener in Niagara Falls, New York. And the question is, what is the difference between the body of Christ and the bride of Christ? Well, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ because we are married to Christ. And then the church is referred to as the body of Christ because we're connected to Christ. Christ is our head and we are his spiritual body. Now this shows what a close and vital relationship we have with the Lord. Uh, we have the same type in the case of Adam and Eve. Let's take Adam and Eve for an example. Eve was the bride of Adam, but she was also taken from the, from the body of Adam. Now, when God made Adam, he made him with a perfect and a complete body, and then out of that body, God took a rib and made a bride for Adam. And Paul says in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, that this is a type of Christ and his church. And so when we read the expression, the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, they simply give us different aspects of our relationship to the Lord. We're called the bride of Christ because we're married to Christ, and we're called the body of Christ because we're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Oh, I see that our time is up. I just wish we had another hour and a half to answer all your questions. It seems that the time goes by so fast. Now, let me remind you again that these programs are kept on the air by the gifts of those who really care. And so you're a born-again believer to take a little time and write us and let us know that you're standing with us in this great work for the Lord. We'd appreciate it so much. And when you write, I want to send you our most revealing book entitled Great End Time Prophecies. This book deals with practically all the major prophecies relating to the second coming of Christ. It shows what the Word of God has to say about Russia, the one world church of the last days, the Middle East, the European common market, the Jewish temple, and much, much more. You must get a copy of this amazing book. It's the greatest prophetic book I've ever written. When you write, just ask for the book, Great End Time Prophecies, or just say, send your book, Great End Time Prophecies, and we'll send it to you just as soon as we receive your letter. 